0: Hey, everybody, it's Craig Valentine from Turbulence Training and the Certified Turbulence Training Program, and we are here with the best call of the year, uh, Alan Cosgrove from Results Fitness, and he is going to share with us, and as he said just before the call, drop knowledge bombs about how the fitness industry is doing, what we can uh, expect to see in 2013, some of the best training that he's been doing over the past year, and some really cool stuff in nutrition and basically maximum fat loss and helping people get the best results. So, Mr. Cosgrove, welcome to the call.
1: Uh, thank you, Craig. Thanks for having me. Now that you've said it's the best call of the year before we even started, the pressure's on. Now I'm nervous. Well,
0: I mean, best is, uh, you know, a subjective term. I mean, it could be the Absolutely. most entertaining. As long as you're entertaining, I think everyone will be very happy. You
1: could have the one with the most amount of accents on the phone.
0: <laughs> The Canadian and the Scottish one. People are gonna demand their money back. They can't understand the word we say. So, uh, it's been a good year for uh, Results Fitness.
1: Yeah, it's been it's been strong. It's uh continues to grow and we continue to try to to lead with what we're doing from uh both from our business and from taking care of our clients and and uh, in terms of educating uh Trainers through sort of, our, our side arm, which is Results Fitness University, which is really our educational component uh, for seminars. So it's been good, it's been definitely a, a, a strong year for us. We've been trying a few different things and things have worked out well.
0: Now, that's uh, pretty cool. And the last time I was at your place, you were talking about some really cool training that you were doing. So, what about in terms of some of the stuff that you and uh, your staff of amazing trainers have? come up with and identify through all the, uh, I guess you could call them experiments that you get to run on, you know, the fact that you have a couple hundred clients and, you know, you've got Rachel's Skinny Jeans program and all that great stuff. So any breakthroughs?
1: Well, the, the biggest uh, test is in, and when I say experiments, then what we do is we know our programs work, so we'll, we start by changing one variable with the staff, all our staff train and do different workouts. And we get feedback, and then if it's positive, we change it. So we sort of experiment on ourselves, and we'll change it with a small group of clients, and we're always comparing a couple of things. So it's our joke is that we have a corporate office and we have a research and development center, so we're testing different things. So we to, to back up, uh, I think everyone understands everyone who's a turbulence training member understands that. Uh, you were instrumental in moving the, the masses away from uh, steady, state aerobic training for the purposes of fat loss to an interval training model which you would use the bike or, or running and you do perhaps 30 seconds on, 60 seconds off or something. And then the evolution that we sort of came to maybe last year or the year before is that, to pick one example, running a mile burns approximately 100 calories right, give or take, you know, it it burns it faster if you run faster, obviously it burns it a little less if you you run it slower, but roughly it's around 100 calories, uh, you, you know, for a normal body weight person. So if we establish that as a norm, and our goal is to burn calories, then a mile is 1500 plyometric repetitions at two to four times body weight impact forces. So you'd have to do that that amount of impact on the joint to burn 100 calories so our evolution then was well if the goal is not to produce a runner the goal is to produce this metabolic response let's move into metabolic training where we're using exercises such as uh, a kettlebell swing or ropes or something like that where we can reduce the total impact and reduce the total reps but still get that same metabolic demand so effectively we could go harder because we're not beating up on the, the, the body the same way. So that was the idea. And that really revolutionized what we were doing as far as metabolic programming. This year what we started to look at is we changed the way. There's really five ways to do metabolic training, and most trainers do one. So what we call a, a level one interval training is a fixed work and a fixed recovery. So I do 30 seconds of work and I have 60 seconds of recovery, okay? That's where most people start. Well, the concept there is, well, what if I haven't recovered in the 60 seconds? Let's just take that for an example. If I haven't recovered in the 60 seconds, the next work set is negatively affected, then I'm not going to recover from that, and so on. So there's there's a fatigue accumulation effect, and then the whole session just trends towards aerobics, which is what we're trying to avoid by doing interval training in the first place. So we started looking at different ways to do interval training. So if I take that up a notch, we have a fixed work period, so we work for 30 seconds, and a variable recovery. So perhaps I use heart rate to do this, and you rest as long as it takes for your heart rate to come down to maybe 70 to 75%, and then you go again. So perhaps you, Craig, we do 30 seconds of work, and you've recovered in 30 seconds, ready to go again, and I haven't recovered for 60 seconds, so I would wait, you'd go again. So that's level two. We call that fixed work and variable recovery. Uh, And then a level three, there's there's a bunch of ways to do this I can break down, but a level three was where we did variable work and variable recovery. So what we did is we were able to do this with a visual heart rate monitor display so people could look at it. uh, So that's how we were tracking this. So we start the clock, and it's going to beep every 20 seconds. So when it beeps, you look at the clock and see where your heart rate is. If you're at over 85% heart rate max, for example, we stop there. Then you rest until you're at, say, 70% max. So you just listen for the beep. If you look at the clock and you're not recovered, you keep recovering. But if you look at the clock and you aren't in the red zone in the work period, you keep working. So it makes the whole interval training process completely customized. We go variable work and variable recovery. Right Now, to, heart rate doesn't tell the whole story, but we'll just stick with that for now. This idea being then that in maybe a 30-minute workout, you, Craig, might get uh, 30 sets done. I might get eight sets done, but we both should get the exact same Perfect results—the amount of results that we can get without overtraining or injury, because the body tells me what I can do. Right. So what we found when we were testing different things this year, and we can also do like fixed work and progressive recovery, and uh, pro- progressive or regressive work and fixed recovery. There's a lot of different ways to, to program it. The, the, the point I want to get across to all the listeners is that most of us do this fixed work: 30 seconds on, 60 seconds off, which was completely arbitrary in the first place. And we're, we're just picking it and seeing how it works. Doing it with some heart rate or some other type of variable allows us to completely customize it the way we would strength training. So when we started testing this, Craig, the cool thing was is we had a uh, we had the Genes Challenge last year. The Genes Challenge, as a summary, is an, an eight week program where we get people down to gene sizes. So we did the same thing This year, And the only thing we changed was the metabolic work from fixed work and rest to to variable work and rest. And our results are significantly better. I don't have the exact percentage, but what was an eight-week challenge to drop two gene sizes, we were getting it done in under five weeks, close to four weeks, to be honest. And this was the only change we made. So this is, (coughs) being a good scientist, you only change one thing at a time, right? So when we did this that was the only change we made was this variable work and recovery uh, so I know that that was the difference maker between the two groups So it's, in terms of fat now I don't know if it will be better for conditioning I don't know if it will be better for uh, you know, or, or an athlete training for something I haven't tested those but in terms of fat loss results it was the best metabolic system we've come across so far pretty cool yeah it was it was one of those things that you test it and you have a gut feeling it's going to work. And in the beginning, it's, its I mean, it's logistically a nightmare to try to organize. We introduced it one step at a time. But at the end, it, it, the, I think it's just a, a way of we've taken a, an interval training protocol and just dialed it in. So it, 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 everyone's doing the exact right intensity for them. Like, and I think that's the... Uh, that's the magic, right? That Once you can customize it a little bit more from a genetic program to a customized program is where the magic is, and, and that's what we got to.
0: So you guys are, uh, and we've talked a lot about these little toys that are out there now, you guys are big on the heart rate monitors. What, what do you recommend for your clients? What do you recommend for trainers? And what do you think is like the pinnacle of all if, you know, budgets no no matter and you just want to know as much about your training and about your calorie burn as possible?
1: If the the the, I mean everything. Everything is limited by a trainer's budget. The ultimate one is there's a polar team display. where every every client in the class will get a, a strap and a coded heart rate monitor. So there's no interference. With the old heart rate monitors or the cheap one, I can pick, with my heart rate monitor I can pick up your heart rate, Craig, if you're standing close together. That was the flaw in that. It was designed that runners were out there on their own. So when you're in a big group class, it becomes a, a little more difficult. So the, the concept is is just that you can recover, you can set your work and rest periods what we call by design, right, where you're going to rest and go no matter how you feel. We're going to rest and go on the on the clock or by default and that you have to rest and you're not ready to go. So there's changes in between them, but that's the, the method to get across is, Uh, And it's a phrase I I believe I first heard from Chris Frankel of TRX. It's by by default or or by design uh, metabolic training. So a simple heart rate monitor can do it. RPE works okay, but there's, there's some issues with that because how you walk into the session, how tired you are, rate of perceived exertion, if I ask how, just go when you're ready. And some people like to... That they're ready to go, but then the whole session just trends towards aerobics. This is allowing us to – I've seen guys that their their workouts, their interval training workouts are 50 seconds on, 10 seconds off. They call it high-intensity interval training. Now, that might be hard, but that's just aerobic training. You're not recovering at a 20% you know, rest period from your work period. So this idea came. So we just use a, a simple heart rate monitor with people. Uh, the key part is if you're doing it in a group the, the nice thing with the the visual display is the trainer can see everybody in the room at once because we have it on a projector so if you're a coach working like that and it, the the original idea came from um sports teams were doing it and they would look they could look at everybody's heart rate on the field on a laptop and see who was training had to be you know subbed out for for practices so if it's a soccer game or something so that's where the the original idea came and then so we have it in our, our facility for our classes. Uh now if you can't if you can't do that, what I would have people do is I would do everybody on a fixed work period, so they work for thirty seconds, and then look at their heart rate monitor and tell them you don't start your next work period until you've hit below say seventy percent max heart rate. So I would get definitely get everybody some, some heart rate data. It's uh, when you're when you're coaching one-on-one or small groups, you can adjust things and, and adjust the rest periods. But it, this allows us to dial it in and get it a little more customized. And my gut feeling was it would give me slightly better results, and it, it gave us a lot better results. And I'd, I'll be honest, I don't really, I can't really explain why. I just other we dialed it in. I just thought we'd dial it in. It may be a few percentage points better, but it was significantly better. But I would some type of of a biometric right where you could track the, the heart rate now the the disclaimer here is if I had you do a heavy farmer's walk or a plank with a weighted vest on heart rate will go up but there's very little mechanical work getting done so heart rate doesn't tell the whole story there is a difference between what we call contractile flow that the heart rate has gone up like if I just put a weight on your chest and had you lying on your on the ground there will be a, a heart rate increase Right, because of a compressive effect, and if I had you, you know, running, there's a different one. So there's a, there is, you do have to still understand exercise selection. It's not just heart rate, but it uh, it does give us some ideas to whether a passive recovery, of doing nothing at all, helps you recover faster, or an active recovery, where you're walking around doing some light activity and maybe a stretch, helps you recover faster, depending on the exercise. But basically, if you're listening to this, you need to start uh, introducing maybe with a couple of clients or yourself some type of real-time uh, biometrics stuff. I, I think I'm using the right word, where you can measure physiologically what's going on with people and adjust based on what you're seeing as it goes on. You know, just but without waiting. You know, just we're going to do 3060 and then we're going to do 3070s or whatever. Like you just we're going to go basically on that that whole idea that we're individualizing this. And so if you're really fresh today, you might get a lot of work done and feel good. And if you're tired, the body will tell you, right, and you just make adjustments like that.
0: Very interesting. Okay. So what about, uh, um, you know, the exercise order uh, when we're doing this? Are we doing one exercise or four rounds or, you know, as many times as we can in four minutes with, with, you know, 30-second work and then when the recovery heart rate goes back to a certain level we go again? Well, in
1: a perfect world, we would do it as a big circuit like that, right? Maybe four or five exercises. Um, The problem with that comes is if you have a big class, everybody's not moving on at once, right? So you may end up with a jam at exercise four, which is kettlebell swings, right? That two people have caught up and two people haven't moved on. So when we were doing this, we had to do it with each client got exercises to do that could be done with one or two pieces of equipment. So they almost worked out on their own. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I I liked the circuit format and it was very popular with our classes. We called it Metabolic Big Day. We did a big circuit of, of 10 exercises and everybody just moved around. The problem with this variable work to rest is just, you can imagine, like you it takes you a minute to get your heart rate up right, and 30 seconds to get it down. Well, it takes me you know, 30 seconds to get it up and two minutes to get it down so we don't all move on at the same time. So you can end up with a logistical mess when you do the circuit. So we usually, we started doing three to four exercises with one or two pieces of equipment. So start introducing this with two. So let's do, for example, a kettlebell swing and and maybe a, a burpee, right? And then work for 30 seconds, go hard as you can, rest until heart rate comes down, then do the second exercise. That way everybody can go at once. They might all be going at different times and doing different exercises, but it allows you to control it a little bit more. But So the a lot of the times the, the physiology makes sense, but the logistics of running a class or training your clients becomes a limiting factor. So you, you will have to make some tweaks there. But our, our exercise selection is, is kind of the, the same idea we're doing. Just I have to watch the... Uh, Just understand, all heart rates are not created equally. You know, holding a 30 seconds of a heavy plank will get your heart rate there, but there's not a lot of mechanical work getting done. So you're not doing a lot of a of of a physical work when compared to you know a kettlebell swing or, or ropes or something like that.
0: So, what kind of three exercises do you often see in those little you know mini individual workouts that people are doing? and um,
1: usually uh uh the the we we have a we're able to with, with our places we have a lot of trx's so there'll be we we put so the exercise might be a a total body which is like a swing or something like that and there may be a lower body exercise such as a squat and an upper body exercise uh, such as a push-up or or a row. and within those that family tree so the squat, you could do a jump squat, a body weight. A jump squat would be the advanced one. A body weight squat would be the intermediate version. And a supported or assisted squat with the TRX would be the regressed version. So your exercise fits into the continuum. Same with the, the kettlebell swing. could be a hand-to-hand asymmetrical swing, a two-handed swing, or we could just do a kettlebell deadlift. And the push-up variation could be incline flat or decline. So really, the the idea with metabolic training is just keep the exercises as, as much muscle and as much movement as you can, but keep them simple. Anytime where somebody can start to break down their, their technique is um, you're just going to run an injury because they're going to push anyway, right? They're going to try to push to to get to the through the set and so on, you know.
0: And then so. Uh... That's the question I was going to ask you. um All right, so we got these people coming in. They're doing three exercises. and How many minutes are they going for there?
1: I would probably run that section for ten.
0: Ten minutes. I mean, maybe maybe okay. do
1: three. Like maybe do three exercises in three separate parts. So they'll all come in and uh, we'll warm up as a group, and do some you know some exercises as a group, and then we split into stations. And maybe ten minutes of each station. So it's the same idea as you're, if you do a, a big circuit of ten exercises. It might take you ten minutes to go round it, and you do three times round. With this, I may just keep you with those three exercises, and, uh, and someone else may be doing like a, uh, you know, a, a, another exercise with the ropes or the TRX rip trainer or something. So we can set it up in different stations. But I would do that. I would probably do that for ten. But you could do it for. You could do those three exercises for 30 straight minutes. You know, remember that your body's, you're going to rest on a a variable rest. It's variable work to rest. So I don't know how many sets you might get in 30 minutes. As as you tire, you'll be resting longer. You'll hit your heart rate faster and you'll rest longer. But uh, conceivably, after 30 minutes, you might get a set done every minute. You might get 15 sets, one every other minute. You know, it might be as low as eight sets. It doesn't matter because metabolically, we're getting the work done.
0: And what heart rate are you having people come back to?
1: We're going under 70%. So it's not a complete recovery. So it's we're over 85. We, we call it red zone. And then yellow zone is 70 to 85. And green zone means go, is under 70%. And that's the cool thing with the software is we just program that automatically, and it changes color. So it'll say your name, Craig, and uh, it'll be... It'll flash up the number or the percentage, and it'll have a red, yellow, or a green background, so you see the colour and respond.
0: Okay, great. So, so then they do. So you're going to do 30 total minutes, whether you, whether someone did three exercises for 30 minutes, or whether they they do one station of three exercises for 10, and then on to another station, three exercises at 10, and then another yeah. station three. I exercises mean,
1: technically, at 10. we could do one single exercise, right? You could do the whole thing on a bike the same way. It just We like to use the, the non-traditional metabolic stuff just to avoid that, that repetition and that impact. But technically, you could do, do one exercise. The, the, the body will tell you how many sets you're going to do. Like the old school method is we do 30, 60, and then we do more sets next week until you get to an upper-level number of sets, and then we either increase the length of the work period or reduce the, the rest interval. This is just completely... Uh, I think the phrase is auto-regulated. The body tells me how many sets to do. So it'll be a warm-up, the main section of the workout, and then maybe we'll do a finisher as a group, just sort of high-energy, sort of all get together and do something. Some of the, the, the cool stuff that uh, Mike Whitfield put together, something like that maybe, and then a cool-down at the end. So the whole class will run maybe 40 to 45 uh, in our gym. But You know, you could put that down a 30-minute workout, extend it out a little bit. bit. That, that bulk period would be that, that middle where we're just going to we're gonna get as many quality work sets done based on what your body is telling me it can do in this time period.
0: Very good. Okay, great. Now, and if then you, so- you have no
1: heart rates at all, the way to, to start this off, Craig, is to start thinking about uh, doing what we call a fixed work to pr- progressive recovery. So at the start of your, your workout, you might be going 30 seconds on, 30 seconds off, do that for the first 10 sets. The next 10, do 30, 45, and the last 10, do 30, 60. That way you're building a longer rest as people fatigue, and you avoid that aerobic state. And that's. the, the it sounds like I'm, I'm definitely afraid of aerobics, but we want to keep this as an interval training effect. We wanted, I want to see the heart rate spiking up and down if I was to, to look at all.
0: Perfect. Now, what's the weekly training look like? Are they doing this three times a week and that's it, or is there additional resistance training session? Yes. We well, if,
1: an article I wrote in, I think, 2003, 2004 was the hierarchy of fat loss, and strength training still number one. So we're still doing uh, – I still want two to three times a week strength training first before we do any metabolic training. So if you could train maybe three times a week, I'd do two strength, one metabolic session. But mm-hmm. as, as you've done uh, – our strength training for fat loss we we call it metabolic resistance training and that's purely to differentiate it from from strength training in terms of what we're doing the exercises look similar but we just we we pair uh, uh, non competing exercises we have a short rest period so there's a metabolic accumulation of fatigue here and we use explosive exercises uh If you look through all the science, supersetting seems to increase caloric burn as opposed to straight sets. Uh, Explosive exercises seem to increase caloric burn. And I have a theory that some asymmetrical or alive exercises will increase caloric burn uh, further, you know. Well, I, I often say that
0: it's the exercises that you probably are going to hate the most. I mean, you know, when you have somebody do a split squat with a dumbbell, nobody, there are very few people that look forward to doing that.
1: Yeah. It, and there's, I think it's almost like there's, we're trying to disrupt the metabolism, right? We're trying to create this metabolic disturbance that every cell in the body is shaken up. So our, our exercise selection, I think instinctively your body's like, I don't like this. I'm not efficient at this movement. That's why this is so hard for me. I think we instinctively know that these things are just metabolically crushing us. And that there may be something to it. But the, the training week would be, it's strength, heavy work, is heavy strength training is superior to interval training, it's superior to aerobic training. Uh, there's just a point where you can't do any more heavy work. You need a longer rest either during the workout or between workouts in order to recover from it and that's where interval training comes in. And similarly, if I had unlimited training time, like I was in one of these television shows where I get 10 hours a day of training someone, I would probably have a a significant low intensity cardio portion because I can just add it up, right?
0: Yeah, totally. So, um okay, so we got we got that schedule worked out and it's working pretty well. Um so you, when I talked to you last time you guys were doing that 30 20 metabolic type training but you know that's gone now basically from your system the,
1: the we were doing we were always doing that type of training we just yeah. looked at how we could take that concept and customize it a little bit so I think there's still a place for by design interval training right by design versus by default there is a place for this you have to you have to go again no matter if you're feeling recovered or not. my, my The issue always with, with uh, our clients was, can we get them to work hard enough in that short rest period, right? That's mm-hmm. always an issue. Uh, can they get their heart rate up and have they recovered enough? Because if not, we're just trending towards aerobics I and mean, we may as well just do aerobic training. If you're not getting high enough of a peak in the work period and you're not getting low enough of a recovery uh, in your rest period, and it just sort of flatlines in between. So we look for ways to avoid that. But we still have this idea of we want we want heavy days where, where the muscle is a limiting factor. We want lighter days where metabolics is a limiting factor.
0: And then so what do your strength training sessions look like?
1: So it starts off as a Everybody does a dynamic warm-up. And then we have a core section where we do you know, direct core training. We have a power section where we do something explosive, a, a jump, a medicine ball throw, something like that. We we, everybody does some power. And then it's structured. We do uh, non-competing pairs with short rest periods. Uh, we try to keep the exercises asymmetrical. And I like the phrase aliveness. I like a... a Sandbag rotational lunge has this this constant little movement of the sandbag, and because of the rotational exercise and the offset loading, that no two reps are identically the same. There's a metabolic load to that that uh, is is beyond the actual reps and and loading because of that aliveness. And we favor a lot of what we call self-limiting exercises. They're exercises that have, for want of a better term, are built-in autocorrect. You immediately know when you're doing it wrong. Right, unlike a example, you can do a lot of deadlifts wrong. Right, you can round your back and not really feel it. You could do a lot of squats wrong. With certain things like a, you know, pushing a sled, it's hard to do it wrong because anything that's asymmetrical send, you, you. You'll you'll move the sled the wrong direction. If you can't do another good quality rep, the sled stops moving. So we use a lot of those uh, those type of, of exercises. Um, so it it's it's a that structure really hasn't hasn't evolved uh that much I think we've got that dialed in that the exercise selection is a, a little more preference towards asymmetrical work a, a bigger preference towards uh aliveness with with some of those things the t r x and the the sandbags and then but also for your your work to rest we we have um Again, traditionally, we have a fixed work to fixed rest, the strength training. So you do 10 reps, rest 60 seconds, right? Both are fixed. Um, we could have a variable work to fixed rest, which is, you know, you train to failure, then you rest 60 seconds. And then you have some of the, the, uh, like the density training stuff where you do, do as many reps as you want and get as many sets as you can done in 10 minutes. So your, both your work and your rest are, are variable. So there's three types of ways to to program it. Like uh, Jim Wendler has the 5-3-1 model, whereas it's fixed rest periods and two sets are fixed work, and the last set is variable work. All right? That's a you know there's a different metabolic effect there than than fixed work. So
0: look at how your
1: the the best advice I can give uh, turbo training guys is to select your what type of volume of work you want to do, select what kind of plan you're doing and select the good exercises. And start thinking, it right, would I, doing three sets of ten of two exercises, would be six sets, with a 60-second rest, I'll be somewhere around 12 minutes of work there, right? If if about a minute a set, a minute rest, two minutes a set, three sets each exercise, six sets uh, total, about 12 minutes of work. What if we changed it to do as many sets as you can in 12 minutes for one cycle of training? Or the next cycle of training, I want you to do those three sets of 10 in as little time as possible. So we've got the same exercises in the same volume, but we have three ways of programming it that have three completely different metabolic loads on the body. So when you start looking at, at, at those things, we can take your same knowledge, right, your same exercises – and just
0: deliver it slightly different. Yeah, I mean, just slightly modifying and, I mean, getting the rest periods right for your clients so they can do the most work. And that's really what it comes down to is do the most work, right?
1: Uh, I think when I first wrote that Hierarchy of Fat Loss article, I got a lot of you know, people who are like, first they're negative, right? First they fight you. Uh, and then people are like, then they like it. And then at some point, really there wasn't that much to it because all I said was figure out how much training time you have and do the hardest thing first. Like if you only have two hours a week, only do strength training. Right? If you have four hours a day, there's a lot of stuff you can do. But all I did was look at a training week and say, right, if you, if you can only come in two to three times a week, then strength training is going to be the biggest bang for your buck. Uh, the only other thing we're finding... Craig is, is a, if you do a good job with your fat loss clients, which all the turbulence training, trainers do, they cease to be fat loss clients at some point. And they become what we've termed the executive athlete, which is a, a category of client who is no, is already in shape and they may exercise for their hobby. right? This may be their they, what they do for fun. They go to the gym, right, which is if you think about why gyms started, it's kind of odd that people go to the gym as an it was always a means to an end. Now it's an end to itself, right, so people would, are now going to the gym. These clients are starting to look for things like like mud runs uh, that, that, that you yourself are, are starting to do. They'll do the occasional 5K or 10K. We've got people doing... We've got one lady in particular who's done a mud run, a 5K, a triathlon, and a powerlifting meet. Uh, And she also did the the jeans challenge, the eight week fat loss challenge. These people need short term goals. They've almost become a a type of athlete. Like, you know, obviously, if you're working with a soccer player, they have competitions to peak for. They have training and they have cup games and so on. And, And if you look at the year, everything fits together. But When someone's goal is to lose 20 pounds and they've lost 20 pounds, what do you do to keep them? Because fat loss is no longer the goal and maintenance will only motivate somebody for so long. So there's there's a need for this, uh, a new style of training that's creating athletes out of people that never thought they were athletes. Uh, And we're calling it the the training of the executive athlete. That's the sort of nickname we call them So you can picture the client that's maybe been with you for a while, has gotten in shape, uh is no longer a beginner. But pure aesthetic training is no longer why they're there, so Hey
0: Corey, man. Still there? Can you hear me? Yes. I don't know what happened. But uh All right. Okay. So um yeah, so that's a great, great summary. Now what about for a beginner? Where where do the beginners in your training You know, someone that comes and signs up to their gym, obviously they're not getting put into the three-by-ten-minute you know, session thing. So do you have them stay out of classes for a while, or do you modify the classes for
1: them? The the nice thing with this is I can give them a very simple exercise, and their heart rate will tell me what's going on. So if if I have a complete beginner, I can go, all right, we're going to work for a 20-second period, and we're going to rest until your heart rate comes down. So I could have an advanced, I could have a beginner client doing maybe a, a bodyweight squat, and I could have an advanced client doing a, a jump squat with dumbbells. And the advanced client might do 60 seconds straight work and rest for 30 and, and do multiple sets. The beginner might be doing 15 seconds of work and resting for three minutes. So they can go in, with the disclaimer being that before we do any type of metabolic Uh, loading like that, that we establish clean movement patterns.
0: Okay. Okay, good.
1: With with a beginner, I'll bring them in and they'll do, they'll usually just do a strength training component for the first four weeks because I'll get as much results out of just basic strength training with, you know, decent rest periods, just teaching technique as you will out of anything else. It's a, it's a change psychology. I think, you know, John Berardi's talked a wee bit about it. Um, that the least amount of change at any one time gives the biggest client adherence and success rate. So in the beginning, if they join the gym, I will do two strength training sessions a week with them. And that's it. I don't need to do anything else until I plateau with that. So they will do a very basic program. And Don't confuse basic with slow results. Basic gets great results. So we, we start yeah. with a basic full body program and uh I I prefer to do more exercises for a lower volume with beginners than multiple sets. So I may do one one squat, one lunge, so on, and do maybe eight to ten exercises in the session, then do three exercises for four sets each, you know.
0: Yeah, that's fantastic. Um it makes total sense. Now, going to some more advanced stuff. Let's talk about some of the cool stuff you have in your gym because I know you have one of those giant TRX things, right? Yeah. So, uh, so what? And I know there's a, a bunch of different TRXs. So, what's the ultimate TRX setup for somebody's facility uh, if they don't have anything in their way?
1: Uh, I like the 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 standard TRX, the whichever. One it's called now the TRX Suspension Training Pack. The, I like the professional edition, just as a little more sturdy than the home edition, and the the handles are are uh, rubber, uh, home handles are sort of foamy, so just for sanitizing reasons, I like the, that one. And I like another one called it's a TRX Rip Trainer, It's is really a horizontal cable uh, device, and that's that's the two products I would use. I would get. If you have the space, I would get uh, one for every three clients that's coming in. So if you're doing classes of fifteen, I would like five TRXs. If you're doing small group training, you just need one, right? So I, I think it's just the TRX, the suspension training. Rather than, I mean, I'm, I'm uh, involved with, with with TRX on a level, but to just use the term suspension training. Those guys single-handedly eliminated the stability ball from most gyms because there's nothing that you can't do better on a TRX than you were doing on a stability ball. It's just it's so it's so versatile and it. it also there's it's a lie because every rep there's a slight adjustment, there's a slight tweak. Uh, it becomes asymmetrical in nature with the loading. It's just the future of strength training and the, the beautiful thing that we've never. If I give you a set of dumbbell chest presses, Craig, with 50 pounds, there's a fatigue that maybe you get 9 and then 10 and you can't do any more. With a TRX, I can do a a, a TRX chest press or a TRX push-up, which is a similar exercise. Same muscles. I get more muscles involved because of the selection. But when I hit fatigue, I can move my feet and use it as a mechanical drop set and extend the time under tension. You know,
0: right.
1: uh, so it it's something where we can adjust the load in real time, right? That we're not like I could do a drop set with dumbbells and hand you smaller weights, but this is the equivalent of going from from a fifty pound dumbbell where you can't lift it anymore to a forty nine pound dumbbell where you can just about lift it, and I can keep tweaking it just in in real time. So it was a it was a huge tool in our training. For most people. I'd say most gyms are not really using it to its, its nature. That they, they, they do like one exercise, like one set of rows, holding on to it. The idea is to create this type of three-dimensional loading, and this idea of where we're adjusting intensity during the set, not just between sets. Uh, it's just uh, it's a it's one of those pieces of equipment that that uh, I, I make this joke. I, I was talking to uh, Fraser Quelch and, and Chris Frank about the TRX. I said I had all my programs down. We had written them out. We had our software in place. Everything was great, and the TRX came out. And I hoped it wouldn't work, because I didn't want to have to go back and add it to all the stuff I was doing. I hoped I could just say this is this is a gimmick, and I'm not using it. But then I started using it, and it was so good that I just said I've got no no option but to add this to to rewrite some of my philosophies because this tool is so powerful. Right, and yeah. uh, and it was the same with the kettlebell, right? I tried to resist that for a while. Yet, it's a weight with the handle, right? The handle's off to the one side, right? Same with samba I, I, it's, It sounds funny, but because I'm I'm known as someone who's happy to change and add things, but I'm very resistant. I don't want to. I want to have completed my system and be done. Then something else comes along, and you're just like, I can't ignore the the versatility and the effectiveness of this equipment. I have to bring it into my facility, and, and you know, I, they may do. And just, I can't imagine not having it. Like today, my workout had one. Outside of my warm up, I had one, two, three, four, five, six exercises, and two were on the TRX. So that's you know quite a big proportion of training time using that. You know, it's, it's the,
0: the the resistance
1: for this stuff comes from people who, are, they're like. Sh- Dumbbells and barbells always work. This is nothing new. I'm like, you don't have to throw out dumbbells and barbells to add this. Like it's a fantastic tool, and it and it has that self-limiting, self-correcting part of it that uh, you know, if, if you if you can't do an inverted row with your grip strength, your upper back, your core, everything all being able to do it, something gives out. You know, it, it doesn't allow you to get to the the point where where form you know, get sloppy, or you're not getting worked on it. It gives you the exact dose. It's it's the like a doctor may prescribe a hundred milligrams of a drug, and then it 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 works, and then he tries to wean you off it by giving smaller doses, or it doesn't work, and he adjusts the doses. It, exercise needs to be like that—a dose response that that we can adjust. And and a lot of us don't really think of that. Like it's, we're doing three sets of ten of of split squats for. So why? Five, five, three sets of ten? It, was it the three sets that matters? The ten? Is it the thirty total reps? Is it the volume done? Is it the density? Like, how do we adjust it in real time? Like, how do we? How do we make sure it's the right amount? And I think exercise selection using some some self-limiting ideas can really take that to to another level altogether. It's it's, it's getting. Is a, there any?
0: But, yeah. Sorry, go ahead.
1: The, the idea of that what what if I could tell you exactly how many reps to do to improve? And I knew it in real time that today you're going to have to do eight reps in the squat with 250, Craig, to improve. And I knew exactly that. And then next week we need seven at 252. Like, I don't know if we'll ever get there, but that's to me that's the future of, of strength training is that we're not arbitrarily dumping volume on Sunday. We know exactly the, the exact amount of volume to, to work with.
0: Okay, cool. Now is there anything that you no longer do that you were doing even twelve months ago? Uh you know we talked about some of the changes in the rest periods and stuff, but is there any exercises or anything in the training that you just no longer do? see uh, things fall by the
1: wayside, and i don't I don't notice them uh the 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 stability ball has disappeared a lot. Like we have, we still have four. We use them for a couple of things. It just was that there was better choices. Uh, the, we're moving towards there'll be no more fixed work or fixed rest metabolic work. I can't really make a case for that anymore. Like everything's going to be in in real time. Um, I mean, we we eliminated aerobic training a, a while ago but we still do that with with our endurance athletes. We still do it for fat loss. And uh, I think last year we talked about Stuart McGill's work sort of made crunches obsolete, and I know people still do them. And for me it was the data showing that, that planks and the stability work uh, activated the core more than crunches. That was my decision. It wasn't anything about the spine and the safety. It was about this this activation level. That I could apply it more with with that uh the low handle sled push we're not doing a lot of that. I think it just doing that effort and that bent over position just makes people nauseous. I don't think there's a metabolic difference, so we're not doing doing a lot of that uh not nothing really has has uh, gone gone away that I can think of, but I'm sure. As soon as I hang up the phone, I'll think of one. Right? It's just things that, like, things fall by the wayside in favour of more, more effective exercises. Like, you know, and for some exercises, the, the the kettlebell was superior than the dumbbell, so the dumbbell variation disappeared. You know, uh, things like that. And um, you know, a lot of what we're doing in the, the weight room, Craig, is we're we're playing with. Um, the deadlift. This might be something I got from Gray Cook. A deadlift exercise might be the one exercise where it's better to get strong first before you get range. Like right? that, you can do a single leg or an offset deadlift. Uh, that it may be better to do it out of a rack or off of boxes with a heavier weight than it is to go from the floor. Maybe the only exercise where you should load it first before you get range. That might be one, one change we've done. Uh, and the other one is just this, this uh, even when we do asymmetrical work like a split squat, we've always loaded it bilaterally with two dumbbells. Now we don't do very much of that at all. We're usually doing unilateral exercises with unilateral loading. Right? One single dumbbell or one kettlebell make it a pure pure asymmetrical and and unilateral. It's a good question though. I'm gonna now you've got me thinking, I have to think of what what we've done differently in the last twelve months.
0: Well, you know, speaking of doing things different, we talk about, you know, some pretty advanced stuff on here. But I would say that ninety five percent of the fitness world is still doing the same things that they that people were doing ten years ago. Do you think that the industry is gonna change at all? Um, I think what
1: the, the gap's getting bigger, right? That The biggest change I've seen in the last maybe 18 months to two years is that hard training is not, like, you see, like, insanity in P90X. You see these things, and the people are not shocked by them anymore. And then the biggest loser shows that people can train hard. So I think that stuff has changed. But it's still, like, if you look at, like, the... Like Body for life, I don't know when that came out like ninety five or something ninety six sure some sometime then, right that book was if you look at those programs they're they're good but they're almost you had upper lower splits uh straight sets right, and then interval training three days a week uh an upper lower split with straight sets that was uh, maybe a very progressive program at the time. Because people were doing body parts splits, you know. But if, we, if I think like that's just that's an arc, and I mean this respectfully, and I'm sure Bill Phelps would agree, that's archaic, right? That is so. My my phone in my pocket is superior to by far to the computer I had in '95, right? Where we've progressed so much in technology we were still on DVD players, when in the infancy. In '95, we know more about exercise. Just people are refusing to, to change. That—that that may be the best example because that's most people know what that book is. It's not like a really old book, but it's. Uh, we're so far. We were so far ahead with our knowledge of training, and we're so far behind with our application of that knowledge. That that that's my real... I think that's the idea, is that, that we're... Knowledge is like the first half of the equation, right? You've got to know some stuff. But the second half is you've got to put this knowledge into action. So, I mean, I think it's... Will the industry ever change? I hope so, right? I hope one day that, that trainers are considered high-level professionals and we really, uh, you know, we're making a difference in people's and we're given that level of respect. But, you know, it, it's... There's there's a lot of guys just stuck in the trenches. The the issue, Craig, is that there's a lot of exercise that works. My my OCD is to find something that works better and take it to the next level and, and continually question why are we doing this? Why are we doing this? Like right? why don't we we take things up a notch? Why don't we change things? And that's my idea. But you know, it's there are some things that that work very well. Um so it's not like the body flight program doesn't work just you could get better results in less time just by tweaking a few things you know like it's it, there's there's things we're wrong about we're wrong about you know some leg extensions for knee rehab we're wrong about this stuff uh we've
0: got to be prepared to,
1: to move on
0: very good very good. So, what about learning? What are you learning from these days? Any good books? Any DVDs that you've been watching that uh, you want people in the Turbulent strain world to know about?
1: Um, the the Perform Better team, uh, performbetter.com, do an excellent job of bringing together uh, good people. So I always look to them to see what's going on. Uh, I really like the TRX stuff. My, my thoughts are. But the future of strength training is going to be asymmetrical and alive. And the future of metabolic training is going to be you know, completely individualized and customizable.
0: So anything that,
1: that helps me to do that, like the the, the TRX stuff, the sandbag stuff, like I start to, to see this, this this type of training as being a useful tool and I see how, uh, how we can use it. Uh, so I like looking at, at some of those things. I like looking at planar movements you know that don't don't fit like a you know rotational lunge or some of the stuff with uh michelle dalcourt's doing with the viper with the big log thing with you know shift you know shifting planes and stuff and rotational there's something to this stuff man. there's something there so that's the sort of stuff i look at and my goal is that results fitness university will be the I, I think that the best phrase to use is we're the we're the UFC, we're the MMA guys who are going to bring the best of everything together, and we're going to test it in our battleground. And moving that'll be our filter, and we're going to bring it to trainers. So results finish university. I, I hope uh, leads the front. So the the key, my, my one of my secret black belt ninja Jedi tips is that everybody wants to learn. I choose only to learn from people who are learn, lifelong learners, right? That's a, that's a tongue-fool. I, I only learn from people who are lifelong learners. So I know that Michael Boyle is studying and going to seminars. So Mike Boyle brings out something new. I'm not getting only getting Mike Boyle's newest stuff. I'm getting everything that Mike Boyle read. It's like an exponential education. Right? I know you're looking at stuff, and you're talking to trainers all over the, the world, and they're applying things and telling you. So when you tell me something, I know that I've I've got the advantage of everybody that you've learned from in the last year too. So I, one of my core values is to keep learning and keep leading. So constantly learn always improve. So I look for people that I know are doing that, and I only learn from them. Right, that's like a little trick. That learn from people. Who are learning all the time, and it's like a—you get a little edge because of that. You know, if you if you're learning from someone that that is still, you know, doing the old stuff, you'll you'll learn. It's, you can't not learn, but but those people aren't growing, so you can only learn what they already know and catch up. If you're learning from someone who's who's learning at the same at, at the same rate as you, it's exponential. So that's like a little secret to do.
0: Yeah, I really like that. When you said that to me last year, it was at Bedros's event, Fitness Business Summit, and we had that breakfast, and you mentioned uh, exponential learning for the first time. So I thought that was great, and I think it's a great way, uh, a great, like you said, black belt tip for everybody listening and a great way to end the call. Uh, everyone's always happy to, to learn from you because you learn so much. You make the exponential learning uh, very easy. So thank you, sir. Cheers, brother. Thanks for having me. All right. Thank you, everybody, for being on the call and we'll be back next month with another great one. And fortunately, it's January, so we can say that next month's call is also the best call of the year. So, <laughs> thanks everybody and we'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.